You're listening to Purpose Inspired, a podcast by myself, Wayne Visser. This season is based on a book called Business Frontiers, Social Responsibility, Sustainable Development and Economic Justice. Connecting Earth and Sky, Remarkable Stories. I start with a poem by Barbara J. Peskin. For the beauty of the earth, this spinning blue-green ball, yes, Gaia, mother of everything, we walk gently across your back to come together again in this place, to remember how we can live, to remember who we are, to create how we will be, Gaia, our home, the lap in which we live, welcome us. I wonder what you thought of when you saw this title, Connecting Earth and Sky. Well, for me, there are three ideas or questions which come to mind. Firstly, it is the story of creation. How did the earth and sky first come to exist? And how do they fit into the grander scheme of things? Secondly, there are the environmental issues surrounding our earth and sky. What impact are we having on our planet, for better or for worse? Thirdly, how does nature influence and inspire us? What are the deeper connections which exist between the living creation which surrounds us and of which we are part, and our spiritual experience of life? So really, in this episode, I'm going to be looking at our relationship as human beings with life. And it is at a time in history when environmental consciousness is reaching a peak. Let me begin, therefore, by recalling how the earth and sky came into being. This is the creation myth, as told in the African tradition by Credo Mutwa, a Zulu healer and keeper of legends. Creation Story In the beginning, nothing existed but the fertile darkness floating on the invisible river of time. But there was a stirring in the darkness, a desire arose in the river of time, for the fertile darkness to give birth to something out of nothing. And as a result of this strangest mating of time and nothingness, a most tiny, nigh-invisible spark of living fire was born. And the living fire was consciousness, and it exclaimed, I exist, I am what I am. But the spark became aware that it was alone in the darkness. This was the first great loneliness, a loneliness which all creatures since then have been destined to share a little from time to time. So the spark began to feed on itself and to grow into a flame and a blazing fire, eventually consuming the nothingness with the most awful flash of light. The river time was very cross with what the spark had done and quickly sent the spirit cold to fight the spark outright. A mighty battle soon ensued in which the spark, now a living roaring flame which filled the sky with many soaring tongues, tried to melt cold's spirit and devour it completely. While cold blew its icy cold wet breath into the flame, And this ferocious battle, which started so long ago, 
today still rages unabated. The wise elders of the tribes say that if the flame one day wins, then the world will perish in an all-consuming fire, while if the cold wins, all living things shall freeze to death. Meanwhile, the great spirit from far beyond became displeased with the wasteful and senseless war between the flame and the cold, and wished order into the universe. And born of this desire, there arose the Great Mother, or simply Ma, as she is called by a thousand tongues all over the world. And Ma began to execute the wishes of the Great Spirit. From the sparks that the original flame shot out, she created the stars, the sun and the earth body on which we stand today. And when the Great Mother had finished with her creation, she seated herself on the mountain of iron and rested and waited. Soon, a strange feeling of loneliness overcame her, and she began to weep most bitterly and vent her frustration most angrily. The heavens and the earth shook, stars fell from the sky, and fiery volcanoes exploded from the crusty earth. Her tears formed a great lake at her feet, and flowing out across the land, these became the murmuring streams, the mighty rivers, and the salty ocean we know today. At last, the voice of the Great Spirit came roaring from beyond the borders of eternity, like a great tempest howling down the canyons, shaking the mountains, a sound so vast it would dwarf the desert thunder, a sound that indeed caused the very first earthquake. Imperfect being, I alone understand the purpose of this universe I bade you create. Do not destroy it. Bear your loneliness a little longer, and you shall set an example to all creatures. None shall spend eternity in loneliness, and all shall find companions. Hear my words and cease your lamentations. The great goddess became suddenly calm. The tidal waves ceased devouring the continents, and the volcanoes grew sleepy. The thunderclouds released quiet rains, and their underbellies became tinted red as the sun descended behind the distant mountains. Ma replied, Thou hast spoken, O great spirit, and I have heard, but pray tell, who shall be my companion? And the universal voice, now growing fainter, replied, For now you may only dream of him. He shall bring contentment to you, and you shall bring forth children to fill a world. And Ma, entering the mountain, dreamed of her beautiful but unknown companion and waited impatiently for the first dawn. The Tree of Life When the first rays of light burst over the many-fanged range to the east and the mountains cast sharp shadows over the plains, Ma heard a voice she did not recognize, a coarse voice calling out, Come, O my mate, I await thee here. The silvery goddess arose, shimmering in her splendor, and burst through the side of the mountain. So great was her eagerness. Boulders crashed down the mountain, and a cloud of blinding dust arose. She held out her arms to her mysterious mate. But the arms that reached for her own, how strange they were, gnarled and twisted, draped with creeping vines. His skin was rough like the bark of trees with chunks of granite embedded, a horrible, wonderful display of minerals, iron ore, diamonds, jewels of all kinds. 
His body was thick like a great baobab tree, and the goddess beheld with horror eyes on many stalks, bloodshot and filled with a lecherous glee. His mouth seemed wicked and filled with pointed teeth, and he had a long green tongue which licked his granite lips. His legs were living roots on which this being scrambled quickly towards her, crab-like. "'Come to me, my beloved, come to me,' said the strange, repulsive being. "'I am the tree of life, and I desire thee.' Ma let out a panic-stricken scream and fled desperately over mountains and valleys, through plains and deserts. But the tree pursued her relentlessly, for years it seemed, until they came to the shores of a great lake, where Ma seemed to make her escape while the tree of life got his roots bogged down in the muddy lake's bottom. Fearing that he would lose her forever, the tree of life grabbed a great wad of mud and clay and rock from the bottom of the lake, bigger than Mount Kilimanjaro, and hurled it at his fleeing love. His aim was true, and the goddess dropped from the sky into his waiting branch-like arms. But the muddy missile had been thrown with such force that it flew onwards into the night sky and began to circle the earth as the moon of today. Thus, to this day, the moon is the guardian of all lovers. After what seemed like many ages in each other's awkward embrace, Ma began to feel strange movements within her. The tree kept helpless watch as his mate writhed and agonized through her birth pains. Then at long last, the great goddess gave birth to the first mighty nation of human beings, who populated the barren Kalahari. Meanwhile, the strangest change came over the tree of life. Green buds burst forth from his writhing limbs, and clouds of seed emerged and fell upon the rocky plains. Soon all manner of plants and mighty forests grew forth, a creeping carpet of lush living green. From the tree of life's roots came reptiles crawling and slithering, and insects humming and whining upwards in continuous streams. From his branches dropped snarling, howling animal fruit, which fell to the ground with a thump and scampered off into the forests in their millions. From great cracks in the trunk of the tree, birds of all kind came flying and waddling forth, filling the air with all their love calls. The earth, which had hitherto been lifeless and dead, began to live, and sounds of all kinds resounded from the forests and valleys as beast fought beast, beast called beast, and birds sang their happiness loudly towards the smiling sun. The song of life had begun on earth, the song which is still being sung. The Human Footprint Yes, indeed, the song of life continues around us even today. But over the past 100 years, there has been an increasingly dissonant sound in that song, as our human society has caused serious degradation to the environment. This deals with my second question, namely how we impact on the earth and sky. We've become like the legendary monkeys, who, according to one African story, were placed by the great earth mother goddess on a sacred fig tree to guard it. They developed such appetites that they not only ate all the figs, but also devoured the bark and the wood of the tree. When the great earth mother returned, she found the tree reduced to a rotting stump and the skeletons of all the monkeys who had died of starvation after eating their own tree. 
So this is the bad news which we ignore at our peril. Deforestation, global warming, desertification, the ozone hole, resource depletion, the collapse of fishing stocks, water wars, pollution-related disease. These are all critical issues which threaten life as we know it and the very survival of our species and many others. If this sounds overly dramatic, I venture to say that ignorance is bliss. I could shock you with countless frightening statistics, but instead I would like to cite a short quote taken from Time magazine about a day in the life of a child of the future, assuming we do not change our behavior towards the environment. And I quote, The young boy awoke on a hot, oppressive morning. It wasn't a school day, so he could afford to lie back for a while with his favorite storybook. That was the one with drawings of great forests, the woodlands filled with tall trees, wild animals and clear-running streams. The scenes seemed so magical that the boy could hardly believe in them, though his parents assured him that such wonders once existed. Closing his book, he saw no joy in the day ahead. He wished the air conditioner weren't broken. He wished there were more food in the refrigerator. He wished he could see the great forests. But there was no use in thinking about that now. It was enough of a struggle just to be alive, especially for a child. End quote. Even today, this is not as far-fetched as it may seem if one considers the life of the average American, European or Japanese child born and growing up in New York, London or Tokyo. But this is a future we want to avoid. 